1: Well, foodie friends, I am so excited. We are going into the James Beard house today, and you're going to meet Stephen Bruce in person. His culinary journey all began right here with James Beard and the James Beard house. Then we'll go to serendipity. I can't wait for you to hear the stories that he shares and the encouragement and hope that he brings along the way with serendipity. So come on, let's go meet him in the James Beard House. Well, welcome to the James Beard House. It's such an honor to be here. And of course, to see the legendary James Beard himself. He is known as America's favorite foodie and truly was one of the first foodies that founded the food movement in America. And it's so exciting to be in this place of history. So many chefs have come through and cooked. So many culinary dignitaries have been through this. And it all began with the vision that James Beard had himself. And what's exciting is today you really will get a glimpse into part of the history you'll be meeting Stephen Bruce, and Stephen Bruce is one of the founders of Serendipity Restaurant, an iconic restaurant here in New York City. It's almost 70 years old. Well, here's where the story gets fascinating. James Beard himself taught Stephen Bruce how to cook, how to make an omelet, so they would have something to serve at this new restaurant called serendipity so you'll get a sense of the history of course james beard launched so many uh so many careers for chefs and restaurateurs and today you are going to get a sneak peek into the culinary journey of stephen bruce that began with james beard in his kitchen You'll notice throughout the James Beard House the theme of pineapples. Pineapples is a sign of hospitality and hospitality was truly the hallmark of James Beard. He would welcome people in, have parties. He and Julia Child were friends. I can only imagine the conversations that took place in this room around the fireplace over a meal of a delicious dinner prepared by who knows, one of the culinary uh, heroes of our time. This is about storytelling and kitchen chat, and I'm so excited and so thankful for this moment to share with you from the James Beard House. Hello, dear foodie friends, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. I am so glad you're here with me today. I'm Margaret McSweeney, founder and co-host, and today is truly a milestone moment in my culinary career. Here at the James Beard House with one of my favorite foodie friends, Stephen Bruce. <laughs> Stephen, it's so good to see you.
0: Wonderful to see you. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, oh wonderful so good Steve. to see
1: you. And. You are going to hear today in person from Stephen, the history, his culinary journey, and it all began with James Beard. And being here in the James Beard house, this is truly a moment of culinary history. So Stephen, can you tell us how, how did you meet James? And what role did he play in your culinary life?
0: Well, it has a long story and a a great history. We were open for about six or seven months and suddenly we had an idea and that was to serve omelettes every day. And since there were three owners, myself, Calvin Holt and Patch Carradine, we would take, uh, shall we say, uh, turns making omelettes for people that would come in for lunch. And one day James was at lunch and he he came over to the uh, table and said, uh, Oh, I'm glad you're doing this, but everything is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to come to my townhouse downtown and I'll tell you what to do. And so we said, we looked at each other and said, well, we were doing something and we thought we were successful. But we definitely wanted to be a a big success in being in New York. So we wanted to have all eyes on us, which we didn't know. All the eyes were already on us, which was great. So uh, James said, we'll see you next week. at 11th Street or 12th Street and uh, we'll teach you how to make omelets. So we all arrived and we're sitting at the table and suddenly someone comes in and dumps a crate in front of us and we didn't know what it was. So we said, well that's the beginning of your omelette lesson, (laughs) so I said, okay.
1: (laughs) So a crate of
0: eggs. Yes, yes. eggs, eggs, eggs. And uh, you never get tired of them. Of course, you can't, especially if you're selling them, if you're in the business. it's a very important ingredient. So we, he said, open. So we opened sesame, so to speak. And what did we find? A crate of eggs in front of us. <laughs> So he said, oh, my God, uh, what do we do with this? He said, well, I'm teaching you how to make omelets and how to make omelets in a pan. You're advertising, uh, come in at serendipity and watch us make omelets. So you're going to make them correctly from now on.
1: Wow, so James Beard, just to set this again, James Beard, walked into serendipity one day at your restaurant and said, I'm going to teach you how to make omelets."
0: Yes, apparently we were doing something (laughs) incorrect and didn't know it, but we were a success, so we just continued.
1: Oh, and so James Beard really can be credited somewhat for... Making uh, Serendipity what it is today, an yes. iconic <clears throat> restaurant, and here in New York, almost over 67 years old. Is it just it just celebrated uh, 67, almost 70 years old, yes, which is truly exactly. amazing. So he really helped launch your career, and it began in the kitchen. Here at the James Beard House, so the memories must have been amazing. Walking through that kitchen, and did you remember those egg crates?
0: (laughs) And he was he was such a uh, uh, a wonderful figure and uh, very accommodating. So we weren't intimidated at all. He gave us all the attention we wanted, and we wanted plenty. So (laughs) he said, "Well, let's." open with the crate and take out an egg. And they said, we'll start with cracking an egg and then separating it with one hand. So we looked at these tons of eggs in front of us and we said, wow, we're going to be here all day. (laughs) Which we were.
1: And he stayed with you in the kitchen as you were cracking the
0: eggs. Mentoring every motion, the correct way to break an egg at the edge edge of a bowl Mm -hmm. and uh, separate it and everything. So we did it till I think, arthritis set in. (laughs) (laughs) But what are you going to do?
1: Well, how (coughs) many people in the world can say, James Beard taught me how to cook?
0: Exactly. And he came to us, and apparently he's been watching, and uh, he wanted us to do a better job cooking, which we did do. Thanks to him.
1: Oh, I love that. And Stephen, are there any special James Beard stories you can share? Did you begin (laughs) a friendship? Did you come back to the the house and from uh, the celebrations? Well,
0: the the lessons lasted a week. So we were here every day (laughs) and uh, step by step by step. And then we had to go to the uh, stove and learn how to flip over an omelet beautifully in one flip, and instead of scrambling it and making a mess out of it, and we did a beautiful turn-over-turn, and then he suggested that we uh, flavor all the different uh, omelettes with uh, different ingredients, like caviar and sour cream, which was delicious, that was our number one seller, and uh, who would have thought caviar and sour cream on an omelet? was perfect and it was but it was his taste <clears throat> he loved it and we loved it too because one it turned out to be one of our best sellers
1: oh, that is wonderful so do you have any special memories of James Beard coming to any parties that he might host what what was that like
0: well, he, we we were sort of uh, uptown and he was downtown mm-hmm. and I don't think there was uh, uh, his cooking school and all of his particular duties brought him uptown unless it was by appointment only. So uh, I never knew when he was going to be uh, uptown and uh, he always stopped in and said hello. And so we were very, very happy for the lessons, we were very gracious with what we learned, and I've been using that every day of my life since. I make my own omelets, and of course I love, my favorite one is caviar and sour cream, because that opened a whole taste bud to me, and it was absolutely wonderful. Loved every minute of it. And the experience of being taught by a master, but step by step, by step, never hurried, never rushed, and we I can't tell you how many eggs we broke, <laughs> but we certainly <laughs> broke, a, broke a lot of them.
1: Oh, well, this is such a beautiful picture. I just wanted to capture this for a oh, friend. James, yes. Yes. Would he wear this in the kitchen, or was it... Special uh, occasions, did you see no, always, any of I've this I've always entire? seen him
0: in Kitchen Whites. Okay. I never, this is like a very special uh, gift to him, hand embroidered. Yes. And it deserves a frame it's in. Yes. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
1: Oh, it is. And I just feel that's so special. The historic impact of James Beard teaching you how to cook and serendipity began. And it's rare that a restaurant will be around for almost 70 years. What do you think the secret has been to the success of the longevity of this iconic place? And I can't wait. We're gonna be going into serendipity shortly too and and hearing about the stories of all the visitors there. But from, from a restaurant, Um, ownership perspective what what do you think it was I
0: I think it uh, it uh, we were very enthusiastic and and very real in our approach and uh, James brought the business attitude and the direction that we should go and make the perfect omelet at the perfect setting and at the perfect restaurant and was all due to him and of course, we said at the end of the uh, week and a half or so that we were down here, uh, what can we do? We're so happy. What can we do to, uh, uh, to, to uh, contribute? And he said, <clears throat> well, actually, the only thing I, l- I like about serendipity that I would love to have in my own kitchen was a frozen hot chocolate sign. And so we made him a stained glass, frozen hot chocolate sign, and it's probably in the kitchen somewhere. And uh, it just sort of was a, a tribute to him, because we couldn't pay him with money. We, we couldn't pay him with thanks. We were thanking him constantly. So we thought a gesture of something material would make us feel a little better. And it did, (laughs) believe me, it did.
1: So what inspired creating Serendipity? Can you provide the historic uh, perspective of why you started, or one of three founders, of a restaurant in New York?
0: Well, I think uh, New York uh, was the spell, the impetus of uh, making it work. Uh, We were three young men, and uh, we came to New York to seek fame and fortune, whatever that was in our mind at the particular time. But uh, we turned out to be the toast of New York, at least the East Side. We had a tremendous amount, tremendous amount of uh, loyal customers, including a lot of celebrities and the uh, uh, the first lady of the United States. So we were very uh, happy about the welcoming that uh, the frozen hot chocolate uh, and was accepted. But also the thing is we were very happy with the omelets that we served, that they gave us the uh, backbone of something that we were serving that was very good and accepted. And it became a staple of uh, New York having an omelet at Serendipity. Patch Caradine and Calvin Holt, both came from Little Rock, Arkansas. And with them, they bought their Southern fare and their uh, friends and relatives and aunts and uncles who contributed to their knowledge of how to make a pecan pie, lemon icebox pie, rum cake, and all the wonderful Southern desserts. And Calvin didn't know too much about the cooking but he was pressed into being the head chef, so to speak. So uh, he said, well, Stephen, I'm going to be in a kitchen. You're going to be up front. So you're going to have to seat all of the people and be, of course, as charming as uh, uh, you can. But of course, it was very hard because it wasn't very hard to be charming because all New Yorkers uh, accepted a new venture and if you're coming to New York, you stand a better chance of being a success in New York because the acceptance is so beautiful here. People enjoy something new and something fresh. So we were accepted and, and felt very comfortable immediately.
1: Oh, that is so special, and we'll soon see serendipity. But right now, we're going to go into the kitchen here at the James Beard House and see where it all began. Well, Stephen, here we are in this iconic kitchen in the James Beard House where you learned how to cook. Can you share with us what are you thinking right now?
0: Well, I'm thinking of the past and how young we all were and now susceptible to learning from the master. It was absolutely fabulous.
1: So he came into the kitchen dressed in his white and the eggs were right here.
0: Three, two, three, because there were three partners and we all had our own crate.
1: <laughs> so, do you remember the art of cracking an egg?
0: Of course. For, and just for the flip of the wrist. <laughs> and then to siphon it all out, and then make sure you mix it properly for the omelet. Just a drop of water in a bowl, and lots of eggs.
1: Wow. And do you whisk it? Or yes. Whisk? Gently. Gently whisk. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Exactly and then it has to be sort of uh, warmed by the stove and the atmosphere. Of course, we did everything with heated pans at the restaurant. So we were right there with the heat and the ingredients right at our fingertips. And, you know, the whole thing was that you did it in front of the public, your customers. So, James made sure that we knew how to turn an omelette properly and not make a mess of it. Because, wow, you wouldn't want to serve a messy omelette, would you? <laughs> Definitely not.
1: Oh, so you must have such sweet memories being back in this kitchen.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> Very sweet. Oh, I, I was overpowered by the crate of eggs. I think we all did, and we didn't expect that, but uh, we knew it was going to be a a very good lesson, so finally, you know, we went through all the eggs, and uh, we were declared, uh, you know, omelet lesson free. We could do it on our own uptown.
1: And for one week, you came into this kitchen, day after day.
0: Yes, exactly. With
1: James Beard. Exactly. To learn how to make it. Mm -hmm. It was
0: a profound experience, no question about it. Uh, I learned how to like shrimp. I came from upstate New York and I didn't have a bite of fish till I came to New York. My household consisted of meat, meat, meat and potatoes. And so I fell in love with shrimp and the way James made it with oil and spices and steamed shrimp or poached shrimp, I should say, was superb. And I still flavor, I should say, I still have the flavor in my mouth.
1: How special. And that's still served at serendipity.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, thank you for sharing your moments in the kitchen with James Beard. Now we're going to go to serendipity and just continue the conversation
0: there. Of course, great.
1: foodie friends. We are in serendipity with Stephen Bruce, one of the three co-founders of this iconic place. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah,
0: I'm the only one left, so we do have a lot to talk about.
1: Yes, we do. (laughs) All of the secrets come out today. We have in front of us, because there's so much history, and I can't wait for everyone to hear about the history. Andy Warhol.
0: Let's start with Andy Warhol. Well, Andy Warhol and Serendipity uh, made their debuts in New York City in the 60s. And of course, he had a factory here that's very well known down on 14th Street, one uptown. And for some reason, he settled at Serendipity, uh, I guess maybe for the frozen hot chocolate and the desserts because he he loves sweets, there's no question about that. And he became uh, addicted, maybe to serendipity, and maybe to the sweets, I don't know, but probably, but probably. So he became uh, a familiar face all the time, and he would come in and then he would uh, ask me to pose and uh, sit still for a minute, which was very difficult to do in those days, and then he would just do drawings of me in all positions and so forth. Well, we had a one-to-one like we are having now. And he would be busy, profile here, left side here, and keep talking and then he would show me later what he did. One day Andy came in and he presented me with this pad of drawings that he did of me while I was talking to him. And it starts, of course, a number of years later, when uh, some art dealers decided to print a book. And uh, it's called Playbook of U.S.B., S. Bruce. And, there's, and the front is a picture of Andy Warhol. So this was a picture of Andy Warhol as he was coming into serendipity. And he had lunch in front of our trademark clock. And then these are muses by different German critics because this was printed in Germany. And they are muses on the drawings and his involvement with serendipity.
1: Look at that picture. There
0: he is, right, exactly.
1: Wow, look at that. So I love how Serendipity has the culinary history with James Beard, but also you were in the middle of the heartbeat of pop culture.
0: 60s, yes, Yes. were very, very prominent in New York's history. And uh, there's a picture of me under some tiffany lamps and uh 65 or 60 some odd years later here i am today
1: and you haven't changed a bit.
0: no of course not
1: no you are timeless
0: the, exactly and this is an p- early picture of andy oh. at the restaurant <clears throat> and this is uh andy's notebook about how much uh, taxicabs cost when it come to, came to visit serendipity.
1: Keeping good records there. Oh,
0: right, exactly. He must have had a bookkeeper that was watching him too. <laughs> <laughs> They're very good to have. This is the beginning of the critique. Every picture I'm going to show you has an interview with me by a German critic oh. of the 60s. There's a picture of Andy Warhol. I mean, excuse me, of of myself and and uh, my partners, Calvin and Patch, in front of Serendipity when we open.
1: And when did you open?
0: Uh, September twenty uh, third, nineteen fifty four.
1: Wow, September 23rd.
0: And this is the uh, the entrance, the first. Uh, design segment at Serendipity with the big clock that we found. So this clock was on 2nd Avenue, and I have a picture of it in front of a meat market.
1: Really?
0: On 2nd Avenue near Bloomingdale's.
1: And that's the three of you, the three? Yes, and that's the three
0: of us superimposed (laughs) on the building. Oh, this we were agile in that days, but not that agile.
1: <laughs> How fun! So the design element was so much a part of it. I see Tiffany. Oh, and look at this.
0: Yeah, this is the top of the uh, the page where uh, Andy Warhol, decor- uh, shall we say, introduced himself and and me into the pictures.
1: Look at these pictures. So he would just sit at a table. Did he have a special table where he sat to sketch? Yes,
0: he was an ultimate draftsman. He just did this in the blink of an eye. Absolutely.
1: And with a heart.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Oh, so a true friendship.
0: Exactly. There's quite a number of them.
1: Oh, look at this heart.
0: Yes. They're sort of all over, which is nice, very sentimental.
1: Yes. Oh, no. The yeah, then again. I'm
0: almost yes. ready to eat it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, and they're surrounded by hearts.
1: Beautiful. How many sketches did he make? About of 14
0: you? or 15.
1: Here in Serendipity.
0: Oh, and more, but these—only these—were uh, in in what, the presentation that he gave me that particular wow. day. And so I pr- had the, when I was in Europe, I had this book printed, and uh, it became a collector's item.
1: Yes. beautiful. And what was Andy like for all the Andy Warhol? He was fans very quiet
0: very quiet person, he, uh, I guess, uh, let his artwork do the speaking for him. And he was very generous, as you can see, he even included a a visit from my uh, my ice man (laughs) with a block of ice.
1: (laughs) And he loved the frozen hot chocolate.
0: Right, exactly. And so this is almost the end, the end and the end, an ear and a goodbye. But that's it, a very wonderful tribute. I was uh, very young and uh, very impressed with uh, Andy and his talents Mm -hmm. and he kept coming every other day for frozen hot chocolate, or to have an omelet or something, I guess to uh, nurture his busy day.
1: So speaking of frozen hot chocolate that Andy Warhol loved to consume here, what was the genesis of frozen hot chocolate? Who thought about it? How did that come about?
0: Well, it was a creation between the three of us. Uh, We all had our own particular tastes. And uh, uh, Calvin and uh, Patch were in New York for about three or four years before I met them. So they uh, got into the swing of New York and they got acting gigs and uh, Patch especially did uh, comedian uh, gigs and, and, uh, on Broadway and off Broadway. So we just decided to get together one day and have a drink and share it with our own particular tastes hmm. and of course we chocolate one out everyone loved chocolate so we loved chocolate and we base the drink on that and uh, Patch was a bit of a, a, a drinker I may say so yes and, and everyone was it those days they drank a lot more than they do today so we base the uh, the drink on a uh, daiquiri or something in a big goblet that would be satisfying Mm -hmm. and lots of chocolate. So we uh, identified 14 different kinds of chocolate, powdered chocolate, and mixed them all together with ice and milk in a blender, which we kept secret. No one knew that it was made in a blender till years later. It was verboten to speak of, even by the employees. <laughs> so we just had the big frozen hot chocolate appear, and there we are.
1: Oh, look at that!
0: This was this is a picture of uh, serendipity when we first opened. Beautiful, with the Tiffany lamps
1: and with the decor and
0: the decor
1: and you are such a visionary you know even back then I understand that people weren't designing this way so you have had an impact within the design community can you tell us Uh,
0: yes yes and that was purely by chance and of course then the we didn't uh, plan on the rigorous day that we had days that we had later on we we kept uh, Friday and Saturday to ourselves. We were off Fridays. Mm-hmm. was the norm at, in the 60s. So uh, after we closed, we went upstate New York and started scavenging all of the antique uh, places. Upstate New York, And one place we were fond of, kind of fond of, called Fonda, New York. <laughs> and we would find tons and tons of uh, antique things. And the one thing we found was Tiffany lamps, Tiffany lamps, Tiffany lamps, so we said well this is the only thing we can afford that so we would find everything including the uh, Texaco uh, Sign the red horse That was there a symbol We have it downstairs It's in the middle of the restaurant, but anyway uh, I'd rather focus on Marilyn Monroe,
1: Yes, she was a very
0: good customer for years. And we even had a Marilyn Monroe, uh, which she didn't mind, look-alike contest. I was absolutely thrilled to have her as a customer, and she was studying at Actors Studio at the time with Lee and Paula Strasberg. And she would always come in with the Strasberg family, including the daughter Susan Strasberg. So uh, Mrs. Strasberg favored her daughter over Marilyn, <laughs> and I guess you could believe, everyone could believe it. <laughs> Susie this, Susie that, and then they groomed Susie, uh, an actor's studio, and then she became a Broadway star herself and uh, became very, very famous and went to Hollywood. And it was always that competition between Susie and Marilyn. I never saw it, but maybe the mother did. (laughs) (laughs) Her mother, of course, did. So uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful relationship with uh, Marilyn. And she was in practically, as I mentioned, every other week uh, with Paula having lunch or dinner and it became sort of like a family and was very, very comfortable. And then, of course, uh, we had uh, Gloria Vanderbilt and uh, Wyatt Cooper, who was her husband at the time. And uh, they would have lunch and dinner at least four times a week at Serendipity. And during that time, they taught their children, the two boys, perfect manners don't do this, don't do that, don't lift this, don't talk with your mouth full, etc. I'm, qu- I'm not really quoting them, but <laughs> this is you know, the mother and father syndrome that I'm aware of. So they grew up at Serendipity, which was very nice. And then An- Anderson Cooper still came in <clears throat> many, many years later when he became very famous yes. as a, a TV host. And commentator, so well, that was really remarkable. The serendipity kept rolling on and on and on from Andy Warhol and from uh, Calvin Holt to Stephen Bruce. Yours truly, and my business partner, Calvin Holt.
1: Beautiful. So generations have walked through the store, and I love how the continuity of family meals and family gatherings, celebrations, continue here at Serendipity. Right,
0: and then of course Cher became a a devoted customer, (laughs) and she, uh, in the late 60s when, uh, shall we say, Ink was in, she would always show me her latest tattoo. And she said, do you think I'm starting a trend? And I said, of course. Only you can do it, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Only you can do it.
1: Oh, so what was her favorite beverage? Would she come in and have the hot chocolate? Frozen frozen hot chocolate.
0: chocolate Right, exactly. And it was because of her that we uh, stopped putting uh, frozen hot chocolates in uh, used milk containers. To to go because we didn't have enough money to invest in uh, hundreds of dollars to buy a shape and and put it in a frozen hot chocolate, so we just put it into empty chocolate uh, uh, excuse me empty milk cartons with a sip, and everyone seemed to love it. And so we said, oh, it's catching on. Let's not change it. But then, of course, we did change it to a glass.
1: That is so delicious, and I can't wait to share a frozen hot chocolate with everyone a little bit later. But let's continue to talk about the memories here and the food and the trends. I mean, you began here the footlong hot dog. Right. Yes. What inspired you for that?
0: Well, yeah. Uh we wanted to appear to a broader base and, of course, with the frozen hot chocolate, what could be better than a foot-long hot dog? So we had to create a foot-long bun and a hot dog that was made exclusively for us so we could keep it exclusive and keep the, the uh, bakery man busy making foot-long hot dogs. And then that became part of the routine. And it appealed to children, and it still appeals to children this day. There's nothing like a frozen hot chocolate and a foot long hot dog.
1: That's a perfect pairing. And you have some other memories to share. Oh, yeah. These.
0: Yeah, this is uh, an invitation uh, from a very famous author. Uh, I don't. No people will, of course, remember it today, but her name is Mercedes de Acosta, and she uh, was associated with Bar- Agarbo, Greta Garbo in Hollywood for many, many years.
1: How fun.
0: And then this is one of Andy's whimsical little drawings he did at the time, and he would do at the table here.
1: Did he do the
0: soup can at the table here? No, 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 no. He didn't do that. (laughs) And then suddenly, this is Calvin and I at our 30th anniversary. 30 years of serendipity. Who could believe it? We didn't know it would last that long. (laughs) Little did we know it kept kept us in in money for all those years. And we were very thrilled (laughs) for it
1: and almost celebrating the 70th birthday of serendipity.
0: Right. Oh, and then later on with our uh, very, very popular PR director, Joseph Calderon, we insta- instituted, shall we say, uh, bathtub weddings in frozen hot chocolate. And I would rent an old claw-footed bathtub fill it with frozen hot chocolate and have a a priest come in and marry them in the tub (laughs) and that became very popular for a number of years I mean it lasted for about 10 or 15 years
1: oh how fun is
0: that (laughs) a lot of people balked at it but then a lot of people did not say no to it they loved it now this is uh, Serendipity's menu oh,
1: look
0: at that. in the 60s, and then we had a little story of Serendipity in the front, and then we, of course, it was perfect at times, we had a la carte, a la carte uh, menu, and the from soup to nuts and so forth and these were our hours Mm
1: -hmm. and with the general store you were the first another trendsetter right to be the first
0: restaurant yes we were the first uh restaurant that served food of course and served amusing uh items for sale including the my designs Mm -hmm. uh, and uh Created a lot of uh, noise, shall we say, with Vogue magazine and, and uh, a lot of the uh, editors that have picked up my designs. So I've had two covers on Vogue magazine, and very happy about that because Serendipity, serendipity is expanding its its uh, shall we say horizon.
1: Yes, with art and fashion and Right, food. exactly. And I right. even saw a, a framed photo of Wilhelmina, right? The founder of Wilhelmina, models posing on the front cover of Vogue and one of your designs. Yes, we have it
0: downstairs at the restaurant.
1: Oh, fantastic. That yes. is
0: so I exciting. Yes, can't tell you how many of those beach covers we sold. <laughs> She was very, very popular at that time. And so with Vogue, of course, as it still is, Vogue is always in fashion.
1: Yes, and you continue becoming a trendsetter in so many ways. But this is such a fun peek into the past.
0: It's a treasure trove.
1: Yes, and Jackie O, is that right, would come on? Tell us some Jackie O stories.
0: Right. Oh! And speaking of Jacques Couleau, I don't want to leave out the President oh. of the United States.
1: <laughs> yes, President Clinton, did he enjoyed the frozen hot chocolates here too.
0: Yes, he enjoyed it so he didn't want to leave and he wanted to share the host stand with me. And so I said, you can stay forever, the party at Serendipity's lasting a long time. But he was very amusing and he said, can I give out menus? And I said, well, if you want to, go ahead. (laughs) But I'm giving about first.
1: Yes, always. What a fun picture. But Jackie, oh, so in politics, you've also been the forefront of political leaders coming in.
0: Yes, yes, we had uh, Lyndon Johnson and Lady Bird Johnson here, too, and all the children and the big families at a big, big table. And uh, at one time they invited the... Man who played Superman at the, in the movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> A little crush. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I I can't remember his name, but it's Christopher it's, Reeves. What,
1: Christopher Reeves? No, th- yeah, oh. Christopher
0: Reeves. Thank yes. you, <laughs> Christopher Reeves. Thank you for saving my life.
1: No, he's so he would come in. So are there any special stories about Jackie O? Because she's just such an iconic part of New York City as well.
0: Yes, because it was wonderful after the uh, assassination, she lived in New York for a number of years. So she became a regular once again Mm -hmm. because she used to commute from Washington on weekends and then she introduced uh, her uh, two children <clears throat> to serendipity and had lunch and dinners with them here, which I was very happy. And of course, my parents and everyone, uh, my associates, were very thrilled that we were serving the president's wife and children. It was a feather in our caps. Whatever they thought about serendipity, that went over the top.
1: <laughs> and are there any other special guests that just made such an imprint in your life when they uh, came here?
0: cher has been a favorite. Share, and she's uh, she's uh, wrote an introduction to my new serendipity cookbook.
1: Oh. A special 65th anniversary Hersery, Yes, that's our new
0: edition. books, available at the restaurant, of course.
1: How wonderful. And
0: the, this is the third one, so the two others are all available at Serendipity. Whenever they come in, please ask for them.
1: Yes, and you know what, foodie friends? I am going to purchase a couple here and maybe give one away through Kitchen Chat.
0: Okay. So
1: that will be fun.
0: <laughs> great.
1: Wonderful. Well, this is beautiful. So you're a cookbook writer as well.
0: Yes. With the help of all my friends at Serendipity. Ah, uh,
1: That is great. Now, this is really nice. Who is this?
0: That's uh, Ruth uh, Warwick. Okay. And yours truly. She was in Citizen Kane with uh, uh, Orson Welles and she was a regular too and we had a lot of Hollywood regulars, no question about it.
1: And I love how you welcome Hollywood as well as the neighbor down the street. It's serendipity is just a fun fabulous place for celebrations and families and and all the milestones of life and continues throughout the generations. And Do you have any thoughts uh, in terms of a, as a restaurateur? What is advice for aspiring restaurateurs out there?
0: Well, I think the the basic thing uh, is that you have to have a consistency. Uh, you've got to settle on something good and once it's accepted you can make it to perfection and enhance it every time you make it but don't change the product so i would say don't change the recipe keep everyone happy and keep serving what you're serving correctly
1: well steve and bruce thank you so much thank you I have to say, you have been my serendipity moment in life. I mean, truly, it's just such an honor to be with you. You were one of the first guests on Kitchen Chat many years ago.
0: I remember that succinctly. We always have a lot of fun when we meet.
1: We do. We definitely do. And and thank you for creating a delicious legacy here at Serendipity and sharing the history and all of the fun. It's
0: gonna be happening in the future. Yes. And we're only about sixty-five or sixty-eight years old. So we're gonna continue.
1: Yes. More fun to come. For More sure. fun to
0: come, exactly. You're <laughs> yes. right.
1: And thank you, dear foodie friends, for joining us for this very special kitchen chat. And please always remember to take a moment and savor the day